City Sport with Alan Irwin and Mortgage Choices. Whether raising funds or remortgaging, call free on 0800 085 9018. Here we go then, a very warm welcome from myself, Alan Irwin, back with you for a brand new series of the Midweek Sports Show here on City Talk 105.9. Brought to you in association with Mortgage Choices, new sponsors but all of our regular features on the programme. A show that will cover sporting matters from local to national and even international. If there's a local sporting interest, then we'll do our utmost to be across it for you. So what have we got lined up for you today? Well, we simply can't ignore what happened at Old Trafford on Saturday. I'm gauging the local take on that with the Liverpool Echoes LFC reporter James Pearce. We'll reflect on that incident, but we're also looking ahead to this weekend's important FA Cup tie at Anfield for Liverpool at home against Brighton. And of course, we try and maintain a balanced view where possible, so the Echoes Everton correspondent Greg O'Keefe will also be with us to talk all things blue. An excellent victory over Chelsea to reflect on and an FA Cup tie too to look forward to. It's not all football though, there's boxing and horse racing too. On the boxing front, Liverpool's Stephen Smith is back in the ring this Saturday as he fights in Germany looking to get back on track and Stephen joins me to preview that bout. Horse racing too as I'm joined by our new top tipster on the midweek sports show, Paul Austin from horseracetipsters.co.uk will be looking ahead to the weekend's racing. So sit back and enjoy the next hour of sporting chat here on City Talk 105.9. City Sport with Alan Irwin and Mortgage Choices. Visit mortgagechoices.org.uk or call free on 0800 085 9018. Well, I suppose there's no other place to start really than with the fallout from Saturday at Old Trafford. Yes, we're, we're some days on now from it, but the debate has raged on and on. And on Merseyside, we love a bit of football debate and all that goes with it, don't we? So on that note, let's say hello to the Liverpool Echoes, James Pearce, who covers all things red for the local newspaper. James, thanks very much for your time today. Hi, Alan, you OK? Yeah, fine, thank you. Uh, I bet it's been a busy weekend and beyond, hasn't it, for you? <laughs> what was your instant reaction just on Saturday? Uh, let me tell you mine, first of all, because I, I was at Goodison Park waiting for Everton against Chelsea and all the journos are in there and we all get our seats early to watch the game. Um, obviously before Everton kick off it's 12.45 the handshake didn't happen and you can hear this audible groan from all the journalists say oh there's Sunday gone because the, yeah. the weekend is written it, off then isn't it? it was yeah I just, I, to be honest it was just, I, just, I was just absolutely shocked to be honest because we had a pretty good view of it from the press box at Old Trafford and yeah. you know, obviously all eyes were on Luis Suarez as he walked down that line and you know and you, <laughs> you, you're expecting him to, to shake Everett's hand and you know, and, and and at least you know show that everyone's everyone's moved on of sorts. But I was just I just couldn't quite believe it. And as soon as that happened, you just knew full well that anything that really happens over the next ninety minutes was going to be largely irrelevant because yeah. uh, you know the, the the damage had been done, and that that was obviously the major talking point. Certainly was. I mean, it took the focus away from the football immediately. It, it, it took a while, certainly from where I was, for things to to calm down and concentrate on the football. I'm sure it was, uh, you know, more the case at Old Trafford. Oh, it was. Yeah. I mean, it was. It was the catalyst, really, for a a really depressing and deeply unpleasant afternoon <laughs> yeah. all round because, you know, that it, that generated. You know, there's enough bad feeling attached to that fixture without without something like that happening, and that just you know the whole occasion descended mm. after that and. It was, you know, with, with chants and both sets of fans and, you know, then, then the scuffle that broke out, the police and stewards separating players at half-time yeah. and then 
the unpleasant scenes again at the final whistle. It was, uh, you know, it was. It was a good advert for just about anything apart from English football. <laughs> What's your view on the, the handshakes altogether, James? Is, is it time to do away with them in, in Premier League football? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think the respect campaign, you know, it, it, the, the idea of it is, is, is good. You know, I think you know, it is important to, to set an example to, you know, to, to get to children coming through that, you know, you, you respect your opponent, you know, you might not like him, but you respect them. You, yeah. Whatever happens, you know, has happened in the past, you shake their hand and you get on with it. And I, I just think, you know, people, I've had some people say to me, you, you know, why is it such a big deal? It was only a handshake, you know, that it's not like Louis Suarez was the first person never to agree to shake someone's hand. But for me, it was just, you know, it was, it, of course, it was never going to be a, a sincere moment the, the two of them shaking hands because obviously they they can't stand each other. But mm. it, it was for me it was an important moment for you know for Suarez and for Liverpool to be able to show that they had moved on and that and that they wanted you know everything the whole bitter race route to be consigned to the past. Well, subsequently we have moved on. We've had the statements from Liverpool Football Club, from Kenny Dalglish, from Luis Suarez. What what did you make of all that on Sunday? Yeah, I, I was pleased to be honest because uh, I think it was it was vital after you know the absolute pounding the club took uh, on on the back of Saturday. You know they had to there had to be a, a a quick and decisive response on Sunday, and I think I think they got that. You know it was unprecedented really with the separate statements. You know Suarez, Ian Air, and Kane Dalglish himself, and and I think it was it was it was certainly the right thing to do because I think to a, to a large extent those those apologies and criticism of Suarez, which I think they deserve you know, some credit for that because I think that was important. I think it would have been wrong to, to try and, you know, to, you can't defend someone after an, an incident like that. They had to come out and publicly criticise mm. and they did that. You know, Ian Air was very strong with his condemnation, accusing him of misleading the club and Suarez has been told, you know, in his own certain terms that, that was not the, the standards befitting of a player representing Liverpool Football Club and hopefully now we move on. And does it matter that it appears that the the statements were were forced upon Liverpool with with some maybe uh, influencing factors from overseas? Well, no, I, th- I think they were. I think it was there was always going to be you know after something like that. I think the, it was obvious the owners were, were going to get involved, and, and, and you, you could say, well, did the owners force the issue? Well, you know, the, the owners have been at, at the heart of of Liverpool's response to this saga since since October. It's not like they've just suddenly decided to get involved. I think, you know, I, I think maybe maybe the club were almost a bit taken aback by the sheer kind of outrage to, to what went on at Old Trafford on Saturday, but they've soon realised in, you know, some transatlantic phone calls on, on Sunday morning uh, that, that decisive action was, was desperately needed and, and thankfully they took it. Mm. What next then uh, in terms of... Luis Suarez himself, I mean, uh, there are some newspapers even intimating that he's engineering a move away from, from Liverpool with his antics, but surely that's not the case. He seems to love playing his football here and, and you know, the, the Liverpool fans love to see him on the, on the field of play. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, mean, I, I read, a, you know, read a few stories suggesting that Liverpool would, were looking to sell him on the back of this and that's, that's certainly not what I'm being told. I think, you know, he's a hugely talented footballer who is immensely popular with you know the, the coaching staff, his teammates, and and Liverpool supporters, and you know he's been an absolute revelation in terms of his on-field performances. 
since he arrived. You know, it was only you know, 12, 13 months ago that, that he joined the club when everyone was on a downer after Fernando Torres walked out and he, he's filled the kind of the shoes and become a real cop icon. And, you know, he has to tame that other side of his mm. his personality because otherwise, you know, he, you know, you know, he has his disciplinary record is not good, and uh, you know it, certainly they, he can't afford any repeat of this. He must, he must learn from this and, and change his ways. Otherwise, you know, he, the club could reach a point further down the line where you think, you know, is he honestly worth all the hassle? Mm. Okay, I think it's certainly time to draw a line under the uh, the Luis Suarez saga in Liverpool and Manchester United, particularly as they don't meet again this season, James. It's it's going to be next season. I mean, the, the great rivalry will continue, and I, I suppose in, in a, to a certain extent, we wouldn't want it any other way, would we? There will always be that between Liverpool and Manchester United. No, exactly. I mean, there, you know, there's, there's been some great games down the years. It was just, it's just, it's, it's just a shame that. You know what is a, a, a one of the great rivalries in in British football has has been tainted almost by that by this race row, and all the bitter fallout that has been since October. And hopefully now with these apologies and you know and you know credit to Manchester United as well for mm. you know accepting those statements graciously as well. And hopefully now everyone can move on. And you know you're, you're right. You know hopefully next season we'll be talking about Liverpool Man United games for the, yeah. for the great football rather than you know, uh, unpleasant scenes, you know, on and off the pitch. Well, let's talk about matters on the pitch, James. It's only right that we do that. Um, Liverpool taking a break, I suppose, from the Premier League in the next couple of weeks because it's cup football. Um, three points lost in terms of the Champions League chase on on Saturday, no doubt. But um, they can focus on on qualifying for Europe via another route, I suppose, over the next couple of weeks. Let, let's just look at this weekend, first of all. Uh, Brighton at home in the FA Cup. On paper, seems an easy one, but um, Liverpool fans might just be wary of uh, Brighton, given that they've uh, done the dirty on them before in the FA Cup, many years ago, of course. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, they Jimmy Case, wouldn't he? Yes. Returned to haunt them that day. Indeed. But, um, but yeah, no, I, was, I mean, I, I, was, I was down at Brighton's ground actually earlier on in the season yes. when the, the clubs met in the in the Carling Cup. And, um, you know, Brighton, you know, they're, they're a really good football inside and Gus Poirier has done a, done a great job down on the, you know, the, the coast there. And he, um, you know, he's got them playing, you know, good, positive attacking football. And they, they gave a good account of themselves that night. It was, yeah. you know, it, it was the game was in the balance. I think till uh, I think it was Dirk Cout got the got the second goal, and and then uh, Brighton pulled one back and set up quite a nervy finale. So um, you know, Liverpool got the better than that day, but they're they're no mugs. And you know, they won at won at Ellen Road, Ellen Road on, on the weekend, and um, you know they're on the they're on the kind of the cusp of the the playoffs in the Championship, and. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they'll 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 be relishing the the prospect of playing in front of a full house at Anfield. Well, I think as far as Liverpool are concerned, having already reached the Carling Cup final, the fans would just love to make it a cup double, wouldn't they? And uh, this FA Cup now with this home draw, uh, victory for Liverpool on Sunday takes them into a quarter final, and all you want at that stage is a home draw, isn't it? And then you know there's a real prospect of a Wembley semi final. Yeah, there certainly is. I mean, you, and you look at it, and it has, you know, the competition has opened up, hasn't it? With you know, obviously with Manchester yes. City going out. That their first hurdle, then Liverpool knocking out Manchester United. So you know, they're, they're, you know, has, there's, a, there's a great opportunity here, and obviously one one trip to Wembley already in the bag, and certainly a realistic prospect of another one. Mm. Let's just uh, move on uh, a week or so towards that that Carling Cup final, James, because uh, I mean it's Liverpool's first appearance at Wembley for a long, long time, <laughs> back back to 1990. Five, is it? 96, yes, sorry. Yeah. 96, yeah. Um, but that's not Liverpool's fault that finals were played at the Millennium Stadium, is it? So, um, But it, it's one that Liverpool will start as overwhelming favourites. They will, they will. And, um, 
Yeah, it's an interesting one, really, because I remember, uh, you know, you, you think back to the Carling Cup last season when, you know, Arsenal went into it as, as massive favourites against Birmingham and, you know, we saw then what, what can happen. And, you know, I think also you think back to the 2001 League Cup final when, uh, you know, Liverpool had a really tough game against Birmingham. Again, another kind of showpiece final where they were expected to to walk over the opposition. Yeah. It, it rarely happens like that. You know, Cardiff have done ever so well to, to get to the final and you know this it's, it's a huge occasion for them as well and uh, it's going to be you know obviously Liverpool will go into it as favourites and you you know it's a, it's a great chance for them to to end the six year wait for silverware but um, you know you, I certainly don't expect it to be a, a straightforward uh, straightforward day in the capital. Mm. Should Liverpool win, um, will that help their Champions League aspirations because? In a sense, the pressure will be off in that there's a cup already in the cabinet. And I just think that might help the players uh, relax in those final months of the season and produce maybe even better football in their in their quest for Champions League football. I think so, yeah. It's an interesting one. I, mean, I was at um, Diddy Haman's book launch last week and talking to him about something similar on this. He was he was obviously, uh, you know, he's played in you know League Cup winning sides and he was obviously part of that treble winning team in 2001 and and he, you know, he he spoke about how you know getting that first trophy in the bag is is massive, and how you know you know then you, you you've you've got that you know you you know you've won you know you you know winning breeds confidence, and then you, you go on to even greater things. And I think that's the hope. You know, it certainly happened for Liverpool in 2001, having won the League Cup. You know, they then went on and won another two trophies, but. More probably just as importantly, they actually got qualified for the Champions League because it helped their league form. And I think that's certainly the hope this time around that you know get getting that first trophy would be a you know it would be hugely symbolic in terms of each second spell in charge and and for a lot of these players who have, have never won anything with Liverpool. So I think you know it, it would be a huge step forward. Mm. Do you expect them to win it finally, James? I think so. Yeah, yeah. You uh, you know I, I just I just, you know you obviously you, you you worry about you know, maybe overconfidence creeping yeah. in you know, because of the, you know, they are such overwhelming favourites. But I, I just think, you know, Liverpool have been without silverware and been without major finals for so long that I, I think the, the focus will be absolutely spot on. And I think, I think they will have too much for Cardiff on the day. Well, I hope you enjoy your trip to Wembley. I'm sure you will. Cheers, Adam. <laughs> All right, James. Thanks very much indeed for your time. Uh, thanks for joining us. That's uh, James Pierce, the Liverpool Echoes uh, red correspondent. And, of course, on City Talk 105.9, we do try to keep things balanced. So, uh, in part two, coming up, we're going to hear from uh, Greg O'Keefe and turn all things blue here on the Midweek Sports Show. City Sport with Alan Irwin and Mortgage Choices. First choice for mortgages and investment properties. Call free on 0800 085 9018. So we started with the Reds. Time to turn our attention to the Blues here on the Midweek Sports Show. And we're staying with the Liverpool Echo reporters because on the line now is Greg O'Keefe, the Everton correspondent for the Echo. Greg, thanks very much for your time tonight. You all right, Al? Welcome. Yeah. Uh, a great day for the Blues on Saturday, Greg. Uh, fans were ecstatic, and yet again, Everton producing the goods against the big boys. Why? Yeah, I mean, it, it really was a fantastic display and uh, you know, a fantastic afternoon. And I think uh, you know, there's, there's lots of different factors behind the reason why they all they turned the corner and all of a sudden they're, they're competing with, with the top teams at Goodison again. But uh, I was thinking earlier, we went down to Finch Farm to have a chat with Landon Donovan and just reminds us the last time he was here, I think he got results against uh, Manchester City and Chelsea and 
maybe you know he started the whole revival in a way. He was the first player that came in in January, and I think he's come into the club with uh, you know a fresh pair of eyes and a, a fresh attitude of positivity. Uh, he's not been tainted with the kind of the gloom of the start of the season, you know, the pre-January kind of lull that Everton were in, and uh, he's picked things up, and, you know, different people have taken it from there, and uh, and now we're looking at the final third of the season with a bit of optimism, and, and hoping that it's going to be one of those vintage David Moyes uh, ends, really. Yeah, seems to be replicating season after season, doesn't it? The yeah. second half always always gets better. It's an interesting point you made about Donovan, because it's just one defeat in... One defeat in eight games now, isn't it, for, for the Blues? And uh, poor old Landon's only got one game to go, of course, on, on Saturday against uh, Blackpool in, in the FA Cup. So uh, the, the fans will be really disappointed to see him go, won't they? Oh, yeah, big time. I think um, I think they'll be really disappointed to see it. It seems to have gone so fast, his, loan, his second loan yeah. spell. Um, you know, it only seems like yeah, the other day that we were going to the training ground to welcome him back and... Uh, He's like I say, he's had a massive impact on on the uh, the mood around the camp, the fortunes on the pitch, uh, and the mood of the fan base. And uh, I know that he'll be as sad as anyone to be going because uh, you know whilst I'm sure he'll be looking forward to uh, hitting the beach in, in LA again <laughs> and getting away from the uh, the wintry Merseyside weather, you know there really is. It's not just kind of rhetoric to sell shirts or to be you know, please sponsors. There really is a part of his heart in, in Everton Football Club and, and Merseyside and I think he you know, he'll probably be thinking it could be maybe the last time he does it, you never know. Um but, you know, he's certainly left some brilliant memories and uh, I know that he would love to sign off with a goal against Blackpool and uh, certainly wouldn't rule that out, would we? We wouldn't. He certainly played his part in terms of the number of assists, hasn't he, uh, since since his return to, to yeah. Goodison Park. So uh, he's been an influential player, there's no doubt. He does turn 30, doesn't he, just after he goes back to America. Do you, th- do you think, uh, I think you've uh, alluded to it there, Greg, we're not likely to to see him again, really, are we? Uh, I mean, I, you, you know, I think he's in for quite a, a sort of uh, heavy year in terms of the football he's going to be playing. Uh, I think he's got quite a lot of commitments. And, um, you know, just get the impression that maybe, you know, you're right, he does turn 30 soon. Um if you look at the pattern of it, he, he you know he came one year, the following season he he didn't feel his body was up to it. He's come this season, and I just get the impression that he mightn't fancy it next year. And then mm. the year after that, you know you're looking at someone who's probably pushing thirty two. Yeah. And like you say, uh, it will be a long shot. I think it will be a long shot. You never rule it out, uh, but you know most of his game is based around his his pace and and the impact he has like that down the flank and. Uh, could possibly be be stretched to expect him to come back in a couple of seasons' time, but you never know. You never know. Never say never in football, of Indeed. course. Uh, I suppose emphasised by the fact that Stephen Pienaar is back at Goodison Park, and uh, we wouldn't have believed that this time, sort of twelve months ago, would we? And uh, look, no. look at the impact he's already made. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It was I was writing stories, you know, two or three weeks ago, um, that as much as there was a lot of um, a desire Goodison amongst the players and the manager to get him back. You know, it was just very unlikely that a deal was going to happen. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, that changed very late on transfer deadline day. Um, I don't know whether or not there was something, in, you know, the way Everton allowed Louis Sahar yeah. to, to move to White Hart Lane. But then, 
Harry Redknapp, you know, if, if we're to believe, uh, there's no reason why we shouldn't. You know, what Stephen says, Harry Redknapp initially, you know, said to him, no, um, I appreciate you need, you need football and you want to go back to Merseyside, but I just can't, I can't lose a body in the squad. And then I had a, a change of heart when he pestered him. And, you know, it's a change of heart that has been pivotal to uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, last last few weeks, mm. and, and certainly could be pivotal to the second part of the season because um, the impact he makes, like Donovan, but in you know a more enduring way because he, you know he's here for a bit longer, is just huge. Um, he hardly ever gives the ball away. Uh, he's at the heart of everything good that happens. Mm. His, his link up with Leighton Baines will uh, should um, build Everton's left side back into the sort of you know. Uh, most threatening left, you know, left flank or any flank combination in the Premier League, and uh, it's a joy to behold. And I think sometimes when you're watching him just mercilessly, you know, sort of taunt uh, Jose Bosswinger on Saturday, it was, uh, it was, it was fun to yeah. watch. And I think it picks up the crowd and his teammates as well. Unfortunately, we won't be able to see him in action on on Saturday. He is no. cup tied, isn't he? Which is a, yeah. a big blow to Evertonians, but uh, it might open the door for for somebody else. And also, of course, when Tottenham come to Goodison Park in in March, tenth uh, of March. Uh, he won't be able to play in that either, will he? No, and you're right. It'll be a big miss for both games. You would like to think uh, that Everton will be able to replace him against Blackpool. Um, I know that uh, you know, like Sir Leon Osman and, and Seamus Coleman, are moving closer yeah. to fitness. And um, let's not forget what what an impact that they can have as well. Uh, it's been a frustrating season for, particularly for Seamus Coleman. He just hasn't seemed to get going for him yet. But uh, we know his pace and his directness can can upset teams, and certainly Blackpool know all about him. Uh, and you know, Leon Osman is probably one of the players that you know, in the absence of like you know your Donovans and your Pinars, he's one of the players, and, and your Arteta's of course. He, you know, Ozzy's one of the players who can make things happen on the ball, and we shouldn't overlook his quality. So it'll be a big boost having them back, and. Uh, I'm not sure yet if if they'll be able to figure on Saturday, but mm. I know that they're and thereabouts. So you know, both of them will be uh, will be important uh, yeah. players to have back on the match day squad. Yeah, that's good news. Um, the likes of uh, Nikita Jelovic, of course, missed out on Saturday with that strained stomach muscle that he picked up, unfortunately. But the uh, the fans will be itching to see him in action at Goodison Park. But uh, the big question, I suppose, is uh, will he get a game given the uh, recent performances of of the big Argentinian Dennis yeah. Strakwalersi? Because uh, my word, he did it again on Saturday, didn't he? He certainly did. Um, and you know, if if if, he, if uh, Nikita Jelovic does come into the team, which you know I'm, I'm sure he's likely to at some point, given that he's you know. Uh, as close to a marquee signing as Everton have had for a while, really. You know, they spent a significant amount of money on him, so yeah, I'm sure David Moyes will want to play him. Mm. But he certainly won't be taking Dennis Strakulers' place, or shouldn't be taking Dennis Strakulers' place. Not that it's me to tell David Moyes how to pick his team, <laughs> but I'm sure, I'm you know, I'm sure David Moyes, from what he was saying about Dennis after the game on Saturday. No, he he's certainly not thinking about dropping him. So mm. it'd be interesting. I think I think what you've seen from January is all these new faces. They've just um, they've all of a sudden probably increased competition in key areas significantly. And I think David Moyes hinted that he's seen levels of training increase. People are beginning to wonder, you know, am I going to be the team? People who might previously have thought they were pretty much guaranteed. You know, going to have to really pull it out on 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 the, the training ground at Finch Farm, and uh, Dennis was just outstanding on on Saturday in terms of that work rate. Um, someone mentioned it earlier to me, and it's important that we that we stress as well. It's not 
just a condescending nod to his work rate, but you know the sort of unsaid thing is that you know it, it, his quality isn't isn't great. It, mm. His quality is you know something that we're beginning to see more and more. Um, there's little little flashes on Saturday that as his own confidence is improving, so too is his technique. And uh, even if it only gets as much as doing the basics, you know, holding the ball up, chesting it down, winning his headers, sometimes that's all you need from a centre forward. Yeah. And uh, you know, another goal, and <laughs> it yeah. could be, it could be a cult icon in the making. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a work rate that rubs off on everybody else, though, Greg, isn't it? Because it's all about attitude, and his attitude is certainly making other people play by the looks of things, which is a tremendous boost for Everton. Yeah, you only have to look at how he's closing down Chelsea's defenders. You know, there's a point when he, um, you know, he sort of. It just doesn't stop. It just doesn't give them a moment to breathe. And he mm. was closing down the angle for Peter Cech to to bowl it out to his fullback Ashley Cole, and he just, you know, he, he sort of wouldn't let them do that. And all of a sudden, Cech decided, well, look, I can't do my usual sort of start start play by rolling it out to Cole, so I'm going to take a punt on a goal kick. And I don't think that's one of Cech's strengths. And no. straight away, sort of uh, pretty weak delivery straight to Landon Donovan's feet, and you know that wouldn't have happened. Uh, if it wasn't for for Dennis, and you know, he just he never 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 stops. And if you speak to some you know Phil Neville and some of the other players, they say he's like that on the training ground. Mm. You know, he he probably kind of um, you know wouldn't stop running. Like <laughs> if you know if you if you asked him to do it, he would type thing. It's just yeah. so selfless and uh, such an appetite to make the most of his opportunity yeah. in the Premier League. Uh, We'll certainly hear a lot more about him, I think. Great quote from David Moyes at the weekend that he has an iron lung, I think so. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, it's, that did make me laugh, yeah. It's the sort of attitude, though, that Everton are going to need on Saturday, Greg, because this is where Everton have slipped up previously. You know, remember last year, the Chelsea victory away on penalties and then, you know, down to earth with a bump, Reading in the fifth round. Everton have got to make sure that their attitude is spot on against Blackpool. Yeah, yeah, big time. It's not... Never acceptable for Everton to uh, to slip up in the in the cup against you know sides outside the Premier League, but it would be even worse if it were to happen at the moment because you know like you say we've seen it happen. You know, your Reddings and, and, and far too often um, Everton have put in a really impressive performance against a big side and then gone and let themselves down, um, and that simply like I say can't be allowed to happen. The FA Cup is. Um, all of a sudden, just beginning to feel like it could mm. open up for Everton, and you know they've done the hard work to an extent, and you know they had to knock Fulham out, and probably not the best draw to get in the, in the fourth round. Um, and they they just need to be to get the job done, be professional against Blackpool, and uh, you know Blackpool have carried on as they as, as they left off really down the Championship. You know they've st- still an attacking side, yeah. they've still got that you know, unique approach for me in Holloway, and. Uh, Whatever they do, that they will probably leave you. They'll leave themselves vulnerable at times at the back, and Everton just need to to be very clinical and just um, you know hope that we've turned the corner from you know, early parts of the season when they used to get frustrated if they hadn't scored straight away against sides. And yeah. it's all well and good being defiant and, and you know kind of hounding teams like City and uh, and Chelsea, but you know, there can't be a second or a modicum of overconfidence about it on Saturday. Mm. It just needs to be job done. Well, five goals like we put past them last season would, would do nicely, wouldn't it? But there's no Louis Sahar to do that. Um, I, I do want to touch on him briefly with you, Greg. Were you surprised that um, he went to Tottenham and even more surprised that he started and got two goals at the weekend <laughs> as well? <laughs> I was, yeah. I, I was surprised that he went to Tottenham. That, that 
did catch me, you know, uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit surprised because I just thought, you know, it was, um, it was a bit of a strange, strange transfer initially. But then, to answer your second question, I wasn't surprised at all to see him scoring straight away. I think because that's what he does. He's, yeah, he's a goal scorer, and, and I think if you if you look at his goals, you know, it, it was a lot of them were down to the um, the effort and, and the ability of Adebayor. And I think if he'd possibly had a, you know, a a strike partner of the quality of Adebayor when he was at Goodison, he, you know, maybe he would have hit the back of the net with more regularity, especially, you know, in recent months. But uh, he's been played at times on his own up front. And, you know, you can argue about whether or not Tim Cale is a strike partner or someone who just plays behind him and, and you know, admittedly does some of the the nod downs and the, and the dirty work. But for me, never quite a, a strike partner in the traditional sense. And Adebayor is and, you know, you look at those chances and, um, you know, he, he took them brilliantly. Mm. And he will get a lot of chances because Spurs have got that. <coughs> Sorry. Too, Spurs much, have got too much shouting in the stands from you. I That's think, what right? it is, yeah. <laughs> <coughs> the Spurs have got that tremendous yeah. midfield. And, you know, who wouldn't get chances yeah. with, with Bale and Modric and Lennon firing balls into the secure box like that? Mm. Just a final word then, uh, Greg, before uh, you have to take your cough medicine. Um, Indeed. Is the FA Cup Everton's best chance of uh, securing European football next season? Because uh, I note now that Everton are just six points behind Liverpool and there is a Merseyside derby to play yet and uh, Everton's revival is beginning to take shape. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? You wouldn't have even considered talking about European football, say, a month ago. Mm. But... um, yeah, I think the FA Cup is remains nevertheless the most realistic route for Everton to yeah to try and get into the Europa League, but you just never know. And if Stephen Pienaar plays like he did on Saturday for um, <coughs> for the next few weeks, then you you just can't rule anything out. And then you know, like, like we said earlier, the impact um, that Nikita Jelovic could make. So often goals have been the difference with Everton not scoring enough goals, um, and, and if he can hit the ground running. Mm. You know they they really could because like you say that Merseyside derby could could well be a, a have a lot riding on it and mm. um, I'm sure that they prefer to uh, to kind of get to Wembley and, and have the glory of uh, lifting yeah. the trophy and and, and the, the brilliant byproduct of being in Europe but uh, you know David Moyes really misses competing in Europe and tr- trying his hand there and uh, to do that via the league would be would be a real achievement this season after the way they started. Certainly would, Greg. I'm going to let you go because uh, that cough's not getting any better. I hope you uh, you 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 are much better by the weekend. I will Thank see you. Well. I will see you at Goodison Park for <laughs> Everton against Blackpool in the yeah. uh, FA Cup fifth round. Greg, thanks very much for your time. Cheers. Greg O'Keefe there from the Liverpool Echo on the Midweek Sports Show here on City Talk 105.9. Don't go anywhere, there's more to come. We're going to turn our attention to boxing and horse racing next. City Sport with Alan Irwin and Mortgage Choices. Visit mortgagechoices.org.uk or call free on 0800 085 9018. Time to change focus now here on City Talk 105.9 from football to boxing because this weekend in Germany... Stephen Smith is in action for the first time since September, I believe, and I'm delighted to say he's taken time out from his preparation to join us tonight. Stephen, welcome. Um, how's it going, the preparation for this one? Uh, not too bad, thanks, mate. Um, I was training over Christmas. I was hoping to be on the bill, which got cancelled, which was meant to be in the Echo Arena. So I've been taking over, just staying in shape. I didn't want to let myself get out of shape. And, you know, thankfully, Frank gave me the call last week and said I could get on this bill. So... 
you know, it, it's credit to the shape I was in, really, that I've took the fight this, this quick and, you know, I'm ready to go. This is forward a, to getting back in. Yeah, it's a big bill, isn't it? And you're you're on the, you know, the undercard, but yeah. uh, delighted to be so, no doubt. Oh, yeah, it's, it's an absolute privilege. I mean, you know, the, the, the heavyweight title of the world, the massive bill, the Klitschko's are big names now, and, you know, Derek Tijor has got his opportunity mm. over there, and, like I say, it's a privilege to be on such a bill, and, you know, I'm delighted. So Arpad Vass, is that the the name of your opponent? Um, yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> what do you know about him, Steve? To be honest, I've only seen one clip of him. He looks he looks decent. To be honest, he's he's won five of the seven wins up by knockout, and yeah. you know he's only lost twice. So you know he'll be going to win himself. And as I say, he looks tricky enough, but you know he looks to crumble a bit on, on, if he's under a bit too much pressure. So you know I want to go there to boxing it back to my boxing ability and. Hopefully, you know, I'll figure them out as it goes on. And it's an eight-round fight, so mm. I should come through well enough. And how difficult will it be, boxing in Germany as opposed to England and the Echo Arena, etc., and venues over here that you've been used to? It's it's different, as I say. To be fair, to professional, but I boxed all around the world as an amateur, so I should be fine. I never took too kindly to boxing in Germany against Germans and as an amateur, but, you know, I think me via Hungary, I think it should be pretty neutral and, mm. you know, it should be fair enough over there. Yeah. Um why, why him? I suppose is this is this just a whatever could be arranged to get you back on track, really? Yeah, to be honest, he looked around Europe for the for the the people who are competing at the minute and who are boxing. And you know, he he's had about seven fights in the last twelve months, so right. you know, he's fighting regularly, and you know, he, he's getting himself about there. And you know, he he's the one he's the one they picked out for me. And mm-hmm. as I say, it should be a good good test, and it should be good to get me. Yeah. Get me back, get the ball rolling, get back to winning ways. And it's been a good five months then since your last bout against Lee Selby. Um, yeah, it's been five months out, and you know Frank's got me this, and then I've got a title fight in two weeks after it down in London. Um, I'm boxing for the WBO Intercontinental title, so I'm going to be active now, and, and that, that that was my only argument really, and that's all I wanted. And mm. give Frank his due. Frank and Dean have got me straight back out. So where will this take you longer term then, Stephen? Uh, is Lee Selby back on your horizon, so to speak? After... Yeah, he's never left. At the, at the end of the day, I, I, I'll swear by it. I had a bad night that night. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll always say that, you know, to me, Depper, really. And the only way I can prove it is by getting him in there again. So, you know, that's my aim. I just want to get these two fights under my belt just to get 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 a bit of momentum in, really. And then he, he's the one I want. And I won't stop until I get him in there and I put that put that right. So after a five month break, you've then got two. You've got two bouts in the space of a couple of weeks. Is it Ben Jones you're, you're fighting? Is it? Yeah, second Ben March? Jones. It is then. Ben Jones. Two weeks to the day, and you know that 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 should be a good test. Um, you know, he had a close fight with Selby himself, and he lost on points. So it'd be a good test for me. But I haven't really thought about that too much. And um, as I say, I'm just just looking forward to um, getting getting back mm. in there. Does it affect you being out of the ring for a, a five month sort of spell, um, Stephen? Yeah, it does. To be honest, the longer you're out, people talk a lot about ring rust, and you know, the longer you're out of the ring, the more it affects you. And you know, I don't plan on that happening to me again. And I just want to stay as active as I can. You know, in the amateurs, I box five times, five mm. days, twice. So uh, I think I want to get back to being, you know, not 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 at that level, but more active than I was. And you know, hopefully, I'll put it right. Yeah. What's your longer term aim, Steve? Now, at the age of of 26, what where do you want to move uh, in terms of the future? Well, to be honest with you, my, my main aim now is, my, my only aim is getting Lee Selby and getting my titles right. back, really, you know. I, I want my British and Commonwealth titles back and I won't rest till I get them. So, you know, I'm not putting any other goals in my head right. until I get them. And once I do that, you know, obviously then I'll be wanting to do the traditional thing which I set out to do, which is the European title, and then move on to world scene. You know, everyone wants to win a world title and that's why, why they box, that's why they go and train the way they do every day. So, I wouldn't be any different, but... 
Mm. You know, my only aim at the minute is Lee Selby, and I want to put that right, definitely. Yeah, one fight at a time. That's the yeah, like, definitely. That's the right attitude. So, um, yeah. Uh, when are you off to Germany then, Stephen? On, I go, on I go Thursday? on Thursday. Yeah. yeah, I'm flying out Thursday. I'm literally just getting out there. Uh, I'll get get me a down Thursday night, and I'll weigh in Friday, and then you know, get back to winning weight Saturday, hopefully, on a good bill. And hopefully, we can all watch it, can't we? With it being a a, a big yeah. bill, and uh, yeah, fingers crossed, it'll all be on Saturday. I should get a good, good bit of coverage, and hopefully, you know. Stamp a bit of bit of authority down that I, that I am back where I belong. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, uh, hopefully we can talk to you over the next few weeks with a victory uh, under your belt and uh, looking forward to your next bout. Oh, thanks, mate. Thank you. Okay, that's brilliant, thanks. Stephen. Thanks very much for your time today. No problem. That's uh, Stephen Smith there, who's on his way to Germany to uh, fight against Arpad Vass on Saturday evening. Do get. Uh, a look at that one and hopefully we'll talk to Stephen in the future. City Sport with Alan Irwin and Mortgage Choices. First choice for mortgages and investment properties. Call free on 0800 085 9018. Right, let's continue now and move on to what is going to be a regular weekly feature for us here on the Midweek Sports Show. Each and every week I'll be joined by Paul Austin from horseracetipsters.co.uk to take a look at the big race meetings on the way and point us in the Right direction of maybe some notable horses or two, etc., etc. You know the drill. So let's say a big welcome then to uh, Paul Austin from uh, horseracetipsers.co.uk. Paul, thanks very much for joining us. No problems. Hello, Alan. Hello, everybody in City Talk land. Yes, hello indeed. It's not, it's not been a great time for racing of late, has it, with um, the poor weather conditions? I suppose winter, um, you do expect one or two postponements, don't you? Well, it's been particularly awful this time, Alan, uh, mainly because it's affected national hunt meetings. Now, being Cheltenham being round the corner in March, and yeah. I'm sure City Talk listeners know all about Cheltenham and the big festival there, the four-dayer, the weather's been awful for horsing, horses having their preparatory races. Yes. Um, what has happened is there's been a surge and there's been several more meetings scheduled for the all-weather. Uh, at Lingfield and Wolverhampton and Subtle in particular. They're yeah. the three main all-weather venues. Well, they're all the all-weather venues, actually. So we've been concentrating our our uh, minds on the all-weather selections, which I like anyway, because that's pretty constant. Right. Very, very few all-weather meetings tend to be stopped because of the weather. Contradiction in yes. terms. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the all-weather meetings off because the weather's bad. Um, you know, but they tend to be the bread and butter of our members' selections, really, while this weather's so bad and it, and it affects National Hunt so badly. Yes, yeah, indeed. And that's uh, the problem we've got. What sort of what sort of um, big race meetings do we have coming up, just uh, following right. on from tonight, of course? Well, following <laughs> on from, to, from tonight, you've got uh, last Saturday, the big meeting at Newbury, which is the pre-Cheltenham meeting, was scheduled and then called off because of the weather. Right. All Cheltenham big guns were scheduled to run. Now, of course, they didn't run, mainly because of the weather, ice and frost, frosted Newbury over, and they weren't able to compete. Now, they're rerunning that this Friday, weather permitting. Great. And the initial, the initial forecast seems to be fair. Now, what they mean by fair, you tell me. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm assuming they're saying there's to be no frost and ice, although Newbury will have a, a, a covers over the, over the duration of the course, but whether that might be sufficient or not, we just don't know. It's all down to the clerk of the course. Um, but they will reschedule that meeting on Friday. 
And I have a note of caution for everybody, which I'll explain later if you want me to, yeah. about betting at that particular meeting. Yeah. All the big guns are out there. All the big trainers. All the big trainers, Paul Nichols, Nicky Henderson. Nichols has written a very good article in one of the trade journals saying that I'm going to run all my horses that I was planning to run last Saturday. I'm now going to run this Friday. Uh, and that includes a horse called Zarkanda, which is his hot favourite for Cheltenham. He's going to run that on Friday. Right. You can get, I think, the general price is around the market, around about twos, five to two. Right. I will tell people now, do not back Zarkanda. Don't back it. Um, it hasn't run for 300 days. It's not me so much. It's his trainer, Paul Nichols. Right. <clears throat> Nichols has written in the trade press, and this is what he says. As long as they're all fit and well, then all the horses I was going to run at Newbury on Saturday will, will turn out this Friday. Mm. And that includes Zarkanda. Mm. Right. I would not be overly concerned if a lot of my horses had to go straight to Cheltenham. Right. I can get them fresh, fit and well at home. But it's a different story for horses that haven't yet run this season. So Zarkanda will run. Now, what's Nichols trying to tell us here? He's trying to say, and we actually know for a fact, because we've had a look at it, Zarkanda hasn't run for 300 days. Yeah, right. Just under, under, under one year. What Nichols is saying is, I haven't run him this season. I'm going to try him on Friday and see how he does. Right. Now, he's 5-2, to two, uh, 2 to 1, and he's in a 21-horse field with some very good sorts. This is, this is the Betfair mm. chase. It's a Group 1 race, uh, £134,000 on the table. Actually, right. it's a bit more. Fair price um, for, for winnings. Yeah, yep. so he is going to run Zarkander, but what he's saying here is, all my horses that have run this season, I'm running them on Friday as the Cheltenham prep, including Zarkander, who hasn't run. So what Nichols, I believe, is saying to us, he's trying to tell us, don't go mad on Zarkander because we're not absolutely sure how he's going to perform at Newbury. And right. Newbury is a different course to uh, Cheltenham. This is why I don't like the big meetings. Now, this is going to cause ructions here. They'll all be saying, Professor Austin here on the line, We've listened in to him and he's saying, don't back at Cheltenham, don't back at Aintree, don't back anywhere else. I'm actually not saying that. I'm saying you have to be extremely careful how you're back at the big meetings. Uh, but you the know. general public love it, don't they? They love Cheltenham. They love uh, the National at Aintree. And uh, as, as the weeks um, progress, Paul, yeah. we'll, we'll talk to you more, more about Cheltenham, particularly in the next yeah. couple of weeks, because... Uh, yeah. That's virtually upon us, isn't it? And then we'll look forward to uh, Aintree. But, it's, uh, the, it's the crack, isn't it? Just yeah. as a final point, have you got one uh, one maybe horse that you do want to um, shout right. about well, before I'm the weekend? Right, well, I'm going to look at you. I'm going to give you, and this is really, I must say one thing here before we start. Um, these tips that, that, that I give out, yeah, I wouldn't normally give out. Horseracetips.co.uk members won't be getting them, OK? Because it's not fair to members, because... If I'm giving tips out to City Talk yeah, listeners understand that. throughout the northwest, the members are going to say, "Hang on, I'm paying for this. What are you doing?" You know, so these won't be members' tips, but they'll be ones that I would recommend that you look at. And I'm looking at the on the Friday, this Friday, I'm looking at the 6:15 at Wolverhampton. Right. I'm looking at a horse called Tornado Force in the 6:15 at Wolverhampton. Tornado Force trained by. 
get him in the cedar. Uh, Jimmy Fortune will probably ride him, although there's no jockey booked yet. I backed it last time, or certainly some of our members did, and we backed it for a place only on the exchanges. Right. We didn't back it for a win. We said it will place, and it actually did. It was second. It was just run out of it. That was over a mile two. And I watched the race because we, uh, we've got videos and all sorts of stuff here we can watch races on, you know. And I watched it and I thought, this horse needs a mile four. A mile two is a touch too short for it. Why is why is it run over a mile two in a class three handicap it ran at? Well, now it's running over one mile four. It's right. a competitive event. I think it'll be the right price. It's a, a tornado force in the 6.15 at Wolverhampton on the 17th of February. I hope it will run because these are the declarations from four or five days. It may be scratched, but if it runs, yeah. I think it is worth a place bet on the betting exchanges. There you are. You heard it here first on City Talk 105.9. Paul Austin <laughs> from uh, horseracetipsers.co.uk. You can get more information from that website, of course. And Paul will join us each and every week here on City Talk 105.9, particularly as we build up to uh, Cheltenham, followed by Aintree, of course, which we all love in this part of the world, don't we? So, uh, Paul Austin, horseracetipsers.co.uk. Uh, log on for further information. And uh, we'll have that little uh, horse racing section each and every week here in the midweek sports show my thanks to uh, all of my guests uh, today and uh, we will of course do it all again next week uh, we're keeping an eye on local national and international sporting events and wherever there's a local link you can rest assured that uh, we'll be across it where we possibly can as i say thanks to all my guests and do join us again same time same place next week here on city talk 105.9 City Sport with Alan Irwin and Mortgage Choices. First choice for mortgages and investment properties. Call free on 0800 085 9018.